It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at Steady the NFL on Twitter, and of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I, I like to look behind the scenes at Lambo, have a poke around. Um, we've been talking to Brett Hensel, we've talked to Larry McCarran, uh, Gabriel Valdez there was on. Um, telling us about what, what she does behind the scenes. Mark Murphy was on our last high-profile podcast, uh, giving us the ins and outs of all of that kind of stuff. And I'm delighted to be welcome today, uh, to welcome today, let me say, uh, with Craig Schilber, the Director of Digital Production and Game Presentation at the Green Bay Packers, where we all want to be 24-7. Craig, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Now, before we come on, I, I give people the caveat. I'm Irish. Um, I'm excitable like a small puppy. If you don't understand me, that's quite okay. But you're telling me you have a bit of experience with me, Craig. I'm not, this is not the first time you're hearing my voice. Is that right? That is correct. That is correct. Um, uh, part of uh, one of my three departments is the production or broadcast department where we um, produced for the last two years um, a show called Packers Life, where we go out and 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 talk to and, and do kind of behind the scenes stories on those diehard Packer fans. And uh, you were actually in uh, two of the pieces we did mm-hmm. um, in regard to the fan club, and then also your pilgrimage here to Lambeau Field. We followed along, so uh, I've seen uh, quite a few hours of tape and, and listened to quite a few hours of tape of you. Well, Craig, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this for you, and I'm not looking for an answer back because this is the way it is in my head. We all know that they were the two best episodes of Packers Life, despite the fact that you had Paul Ryan on, uh, Chuck Liddell, all these like really more famous people and way more interesting. But in my head, to me, they were the best episodes. Um, that's not really a question; that's rhetorical. I'm gonna leave that floating out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, we, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree <laughs> fantastic! More. I strong armed you into that. I will transfer over that 50 euro that i owe you for saying that craig after the podcast <laughs> um so the packers life it's a great initiative and I've, I've loads i have a script you know i have my questions i've done my research and all the rest but as an irishman and you've everyone's read or tried to read james joyce and all the rest of them and we all know these boys go off on a tangent and i'm going to do the same packers life craig fantastic initiative um what's the vision for that then because we were in season one as you said two episodes season two is is underway is that meeting your expectations? Are you happy with how it's turning out? And is this going to kind of be a long-term thing? Uh, very much happy with it, to be honest with you. I mean, I, 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 uh, the Packer fans are so passionate that, you know, we, we realized that, you know, we really needed, there was a lot of stories there to be told. And, and we're, we're really happy with how that show has, has evolved and kind of grown. Um, it's actually part of a broadcast deal we, we do with Spectrum here in, in uh, northeastern Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're up for renewal on that contract. So we're not really sure how this is all going to shake down. But um, a, a broadcast deal or no broadcast deal, we're looking at potentially continuing the show. Um, I don't know if we'll do 17 episodes, but we for sure want to do some little uh, highlights and uh, provide them on some of our other platforms like Packers.com and, and uh, uh, Facebook, Connected TV, things like that. So, so we can tell that story of our passionate, passionate fans. It's a pretty unique experience, certainly from being involved. It was great for me um, because from a personal perspective, I mean, Irish people, <laughs> if, I don't know, I'm going to ask you about your background, right? Because your name's Craig Schilber, and usually I try to crowbar someone's, you know, 
cultural whatever into being Irish like Justin Perillo was a tight end for the Packers as you know um, and I like to call him Justin O. Perillo and pretend that he had some type of Irish background right <laughs> Mark Murphy famously has Irish background so Craig Schilbauer I, I cannot get the Irish vibe off it um, it's the it's the K in Craig as well it's just not Craig that I can't sort of force that Irish name on you uh, Craig any Irish UK English background to you I will also accept if you've ever been to this side of the pond I've never been to that side of the pond. It's going to be kind of hard to get you to, um, you know, I, ha- I have uh, obviously Schilbauer, a little German in me, a little Belgian in me, but my wife is about 50% Irish. So oh. uh, by, by marriage, I'm, 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 you, can, you can go that direction. I'll accept it. Uh, I'd see why you married her um, without knowing anything about her. Uh, the half Irishness was definitely enough. Um, but, there you go. <laughs> but I'm putting an awful lot of words in your mouth uh, today, Craig, and kind of just molding you into whatever I want you to be. Um, but listen. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that's what we do, um, but yeah, I suppose that that's what um, Sigmund Freud said about the Irish is that you know you can sort of psychoanalyze everybody but the Irish. So it's going to be a pretty weird interview for you. <laughs> but um, so look, the the Parks Life stuff was amazing. So I, I think where I started with this was is that it was weird for an Irishman because I had to walk up Dublin. Because for instance, uh, what did we say? Uh, Irish is full of a country full of begrudgers is a sort of phrase over here. So if you do it like Bono, everyone hates Bono over here, right? Because he's done so well. That's kind of how we are. You know, if you wear a funny hat going down through my street, you know, you probably get a slap in the face. I mean, that's just how it happens. So it was so funny for me to walk up Dublin Street, walk up Camden Street in my business suit and to have a camera there and for people to and I, it was great I got to pretend I was famous I had a camera crew there how could I not be famous and it's just the, the looks you get off an Irish person is just incredible I mean so that, that was amazing for me and the Packers Life Initiative in itself is a fantastic thing what other things um, have you done with the Packers something similar and quirky kind of like that or do you have anything in the in the you know plans going forward Craig that is something similar to that or a kind of a cool initiative that is kind of a favourite of yours well, to be honest with you, this isn't really necessarily like that, or to be to be honest with you, cinematically not any you know um, huge change. But we actually last year as a department took over the coaches show. Wow. So um, every week on a Tuesday, coach will come down and sit down with Larry McCarron for a half hour. And to be honest with you, it, it, like I said, it's 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 visually not anything that you know um, Spielberg would put his name on, but <laughs> it's really really interesting to have that time to sit down with a coach and 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 hear him kind of you know break down the game or talk about the next opponent or just kind of give you a little taste of what his life is like being the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. So I, I know it's it's not necessarily anything, you know, drop dead, but I really enjoy it. The other part of uh, that I do is I'm actually produced the, the games at Lambeau Field. Mm. And so for about an hour before the game to uh, before kickoff till about a half hour after, we do a, a live production. We have 34 people that either do audio or video from cameras to mics to ref mics to videos that we play. And it is, it is, you don't move, you don't go anywhere. And it's just this huge adrenaline rush. Mm. And so to be honest with you, that's another part of my job that I really, really enjoy is, is game day. 
Yeah, and I'm going to say that you're the Mason Crosby of the Green Bay Packers uh, production <laughs> team because, like, that sounds frightening to me uh, to look at that and, and the amount that's sort of resting, the pressure that must be on your shoulders because as a fan, we watch the game and if that doesn't go right, it's so obvious. And, you know, all of that pressure weighing on you. And I remember talking to Mason Crosby on the podcast and, again, as you know yourself, he sits there he does his little practice net thing and then the game comes down to within two points there's three seconds left on the clock and mason has to stroll out and kick it and he enjoys it and he goes through the process and that just sounds absolutely terrifying to me craig is it as scary as that and i'm can you give us a little bit of insight into so we see the big networks come in and we see the famous commentators do they bring their own crew in and do you have to sort of coordinate them also do they work independently to you or does it all sort of work as one big sort of moving organism on the day um, well, they, they come in with their own crew. And uh, from a coordination standpoint, it's more uh, part of my job is to help facilitate, you know, wiring within the system. So the trucks park in the back of the stadium and then and then they want to put cameras on the field and and we have uh, w- w- cabling between the two and and help coordinate with that with them. They kind of have their cameras and have their show. And we have our cameras in our show. So in a sense, both of us can talk to our cameraman and, hey, get a tight shot of this, hey, get that. But then we share resources between the two that aren't critical to you having communication with them. So typically I'll take about eight cameras from the network Mm. and use them for replays. And I can't tell the cameraman what to do, but we're all covering the action of the game. And then we also here at Lambo have a couple kind of unique cameras, one that's mounted in our tunnel that's re- uh, remote control. We have one up in the northwest corner of the stadium, big wide shot of the stadium. So I will feed uh, camera shots I have to the network that they can use for bumper shots and things like that. So, so although we're independent, there is some collaboration between the two. Well, to give you a bit of insight into, and I do this to guests and I I always listen back and cringe slightly. Anytime I tell someone as accomplished as you something that I do, I hear myself screaming at the podcast as I edit, shut up, Stephen, he doesn't care, right? But um, I did um, this sort of video production um, for a company. They asked me to, to give analysis. So I was working in Premiere Pro. It's highly technical and it took me for forever, right? Now, mostly due to inexperience, it was my first time using it. You're doing that on just a just a universal, ridiculous, like Milky Way scale of you have so many cameras, you know, you have to have so much technical expertise. And I'm always fascinated how, you know, you would have got there because you were a news videographer, right, for uh, WF4V TV uh, back in the 80s. So how someone gets from, you know, that, that level, Craig, all the way up to where you are now. I mean, is it just adding pieces as you go and... And again, as an Irishman, I ask 15 billion questions in one. On that game day, how do you stay sane with all of that? I mean, because you have so much going on around you. How do you pick a part of a video to replay in the first place and what camera angle to go for because you have a bajillion of these things? Well, um, I mean, great questions, to be honest with you. I mean, it, 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 as far as you are correct, I started at WFRV, uh, went to school at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, and, and learned some of the basic theories behind things. And, and then uh, just a little side note, when I worked at WFRV was when Larry first started doing broadcasting he did our sport he was our sportscaster so yeah i've known larry for a long long time but anyway it is it, people walk into our control room and are just kind of 
by the amount of equipment and, and all the technology. And it, it, at its core, it's real basic. It's very, it's very um, uh, rudimentary. And then it's just, it's just amplified. It's just, mm-hmm. there's more of it. So to be honest with you, um, I'm not, um, I'm not, inti- uh, I'm not, you know, um, scared of it because to be honest with you, I, it's just a lot of buttons, but they're all, they, it all makes sense as to how it all works. Yeah. Um, your question about what keep insane. I mean, to be honest with you, it's really just a r- adrenaline. And although you're not on the field, you're kind of, you know, it's game day and you're on. And so that adrenaline helps kind of drive you through it and stay focused. And, 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 and being that we're in the stadium, I mean, our main goal is to entertain people and also to kind of help the team. So let's say there's a controversial call and is it, the question is, you know, did Devonte Adams step out of bounds or in bounds? Yeah. And we take so typically on any one given play, we have twelve different angles to choose from, wow. and 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 we look at those twelve angles kind of based on okay, I know there's a camera in the back of the end zone. He's on that side of the sidelines. He may have a good shot, and that camera up in row 60 in the corner of the end zone might have a good shot. And there's a handheld guy down there. Mm. Now of those 12 different records, you can isolate now probably the three or four cameras that have the best angle. And and my job more than anything is to show the coach, because really I have the controls on his big TV that he can see. I try to give the coach as many angles and as many looks and the best looks I can for him to make a decision as to do I throw the red flag or not? Yeah. So I am doing everything in my power to not, 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 you know, not tell him what to do, but to give him as much information as I can in a really short amount of time. You know, sometimes it can be, you know, seconds to try to get the best angle and the best look that he can get so he can make an educated decision. And that's what I find fascinating about your job is that on the outset, it seems very technical, um, you know, very complicated when really what you're offering is so many different things, really. Do you know what it reminds me of, I guess? And you're probably going to be like, no, that's not it. But it's just they say that there's no business as serious as comedy and it's kind of counterintuitive. And I guess your job is full of adrenaline, uh, full of split second minuteness. Uh, when really it's about offering entertainment. So it's a very serious job that you have, but the end product is people looking at something going, oh, great. But but you raised a brilliant aspect of your job. And I'd love you to walk me through this. So the catch rule has now changed. And they said that Des Bryant, had he done, you know, performed the actions that he had, that would have been a catch in today's game going forward. And people like to look at, you know, McCarthy for throwing the flag and give him all the credit when really everyone knows behind the scenes that Craig Schilbert was the guy behind that success. <laughs> Craig, can you can you walk us through that moment? Because um that that was a big one for you, right? I, I guess that would stand out for you, would it, when you're looking at the the big iconic moments in sports history, let's face it, because like Des caught it, you know, is a phrase out there, Des didn't catch it, depending on what fan base you go to, I guess. Um, can you walk us through that moment and what you remember about it and how important it was that you got that replay up on the Jumbotron at the time? Well, you know, I, I, I obviously coach has to make that decision so I can't take, you know, the credit for that. But <laughs> to be honest with you, 
our our control room is on the seventh floor of the west side of Lambeau Field, kind of in the south corner, southwest mm. corner. As it turned out, that catch that, or not a catch that Des tried to make, was in the end zone, uh, right at the end zone line that I look at. So it's right in front of me. So as he was coming down and rolled, I saw the ball move. Mm. And so instantaneously, we got it up as soon as we could because that movement on the ball made me question, did he have control when, when, you know, he actually rolled into the end zone. Mm -hmm. Um, We got lucky. And the first replay we put up was a really tight shot that showed everything. I mean, sometimes you have a perfect angle in your mind of what it is. And then a referee steps in front of the camera or, you know, the player, the defender blocks your shot or whatever that is. So we got lucky and got just a really close play. And, and although there's, there's 34 people on the crew, there's about 20 in the control room. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, things were extremely silent because even though everybody has a job to do, we're all Packer fans at heart. And we just kept showing different angles of that replay and going back and forth and back and forth. Mike throws the flag. And to be honest with you, when it got overturned, not only the stadium, but our control room just exploded. <laughs> and and it, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you do your job. And, and like I was saying, split second, sometimes you make the right call. Sometimes you don't. I'm just happy that we were able to provide coach with, the tools he needed to, you know, make that decision one way or another. So it, it was a, it was definitely a high point in uh, that season for sure. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And of course, we know that had that not happened and had Dez caught it and they've scored a touchdown, there was enough time for Aaron Rodgers to march down oh, and put it to bed. No question. Yeah, that's, that's, no question. that's what we're sticking with. And I think it's true. But come here, I want to talk about the rules of engagement here, right? So in a moment like that, it's in the Packers' best interest with being a home to, for you to try get that replay as crisp as possible from what you've seen up on the screen. What are the rules of engagement then for being at home? So let's flip it the other way. So Devontae Adams goes up, catches a ball, comes down, you think it might bubble. Do you throw up an advert for Coca-Cola or, you know, something else and sort of <laughs> pretend it didn't happen and just whistle your way out of the control room and go, oh, sorry, maybe you should have played that. I mean, is there rules around that, Craig? Or can you basically do what you want? And that's also a part, apart from crowd noise, of home field advantage. Um, to be honest with you, yes, there are rules. Um you're kind of testing me here, but I want to say five, four or five years ago, the league put rules in in regards to replays. So what would really depend, what really depends on the play is what the outcome of the play is. Okay. So if it's a first down, I have to show a replay. No matter what it is, no matter if it's questionable one way or the other, you have to show a replay. If it is a if it's a touchdown, you have to show two replays of it. Okay. If it is a turnover, you have to show replay a replay of the of the turnover. Mm. And um, you know, to be uh, I'm trying. I'm just looking at my notes here. Um, yeah, turnovers are two. Scoring plays are two. First downs, receptions out of bounds are one. So we there there definitely are rules as to when you can or can't if say there's a questionable call and it is it doesn't it's not a first down and it's not a play out of bounds Hmm. you 
you, you're not by league rule forced to, to run that replay. The other thing that comes into play here is that um, the, the, when you're showing replays, like on a touchdown, we don't have to do it right after the touchdown. They're automatically looking at it um, in New York at the league offices anyway. Yeah. But what we do have to do is we have to show those two. We can show them after the kick. Um, if the coach, if the coach throws a red flag, we can only show network cameras. We cannot show our cameras. And the reason behind that is, is that they don't want the, the fans in the stadium to see an angle of a play that the refs cannot see. Right. So all those cameras that the that the referee looks at come out of the network truck that's doing the game. Mm. And let's say I just happen to have this unbelievable shot of um, you know Randall Cobb in bounds, mm. then and, but the ref never sees that. They don't want the crowd to see something the ref doesn't. The ref isn't supposed to look at the big screen. Wow. So um, there's definitely rules, and it's a great question because a lot of people don't realize that you know there's rules for that. There's rules for what you can do to get the crowd fired up when you can do cr- uh, crowd prompts to get the you know to get the place noisy. Um, so there's a lot of rules related around what you can do and when you can do it. Yeah, which I guess adds more pressure to your job, right? Because like that, I mean, you have so much to look after. You have like, I mean, what pressure is that, Craig? Do you ever have a moment where is it ever difficult to isolate a play? Let's say so, you know, you have to get that, as you said, you know, you'll have the guy with the handheld, you'll have, you know, so many different, what was it, 12 different camera angles. You know, who do who do you go to, I guess, to isolate that, to get it up on the screen in real time? Everything just seems to me awe inspiring because it's so, the turnaround time has to be so quick. Has it ever happened where you couldn't get a piece up onto the screen in time or any type of error like that? Or is there literally no way that that can happen because of the different camera angles that you will have? One will always be to hand. Well, I mean, it, because it is split second, say it's a play where it, 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 the, the visiting team that it's questionable and I'm trying to get it up and they're trying to get up to the line and hurry up and run the play so it can't be challenged. And so your window could be four, five, ten seconds that you have to try to find this. And I always describe my job as it's it's like driving a car, but not having your hand on the wheel or the pedals. And you're trying to tell two different people how to do the pedals and how to steer because you have this crew of 34 people that you're trying to orchestrate. Yeah. So in, in, in those instances, I mean, there's an operator who is running the replay machine that record that records four. he's got a set of eyes on it. Mm. And there's a, a person called the TD who actually punches the buttons to put it on and me kind of calling the show. And so sometimes that can be um, tricky in a sense of, you know, you have a set of series of commands that are called and, and ways to say things to explain to people throughout the crew from audio, video, replay, transition. You know, there's a lot of things that's kind of set in stone 
but it 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 is kind of well orchestrated. And at times, there's times where, you know, the the opposing team did get the snap off, and a, a second later, you're like, oh, there's the shot. Yeah. Like you know, it didn't make it up. Mm. But I will say that I have a great crew, and they uh, the average average person on the crew has been doing this with me for about 15 to 18 years. So they're really know their job, know their place, proud of what their job is and, and, and help kind of move the ship forward. If you, if you will. Yeah. Well, if you're ever looking for an Irishman to add to the squad, um, I'll put my hand up for that. <laughs> Although I don't know how much use I'd be. I'd just do a jig if it all goes wrong. Um, so I guess, so in my past, right, I had a love of music. I still do. And I played the saxophone and I got up very high in it. I, I got to grade eight in musicianship theory. And again, this is another one of those moments, uh, Craig, bear with me that it's you're just listening, going, OK, get on with it. Uh, so I used to, you know, got to grade eight in saxophone, got to grade eight in musicianship theory. Loved playing it. I was a jazz man, right? Um, Lisa Simpson, let's call me. I love that aspect of it, but when it got down to doing scales and studying it, it just really sort of zapped the energy that I had for it, and it soon found its way into the corner with cobwebs on it. I haven't played it in years. So, you know, you grew up in Green Bay. As you said, you're a fan, you're a Packers fan, but in the minute detail that you have to break a game down, and I guess you look at the game differently than everybody else, right? That when you see a touchdown, you're not thinking, yes, you're thinking, okay, so isolate that, isolate that, isolate that camera, let's get those up, you know. Does it ruin the game, or not ruin the game, but does it kind of take the shine off, or do you look at football in a different way now because it is your job and it has been your job for so many years? Um, I mean, that's a great question. I, I, I wouldn't say it takes the shine off. It definitely changes your perspective, and, and, and I, I can watch other games and, and see things on screen and see things that happen that, you know, my wife and kids are like, what? what? <laughs> I didn't see that because yeah. it's, it's I'm analyzing it so much, but to be honest with you, I mean, there, there's a little part of you that, that feels that you're sort of part of the organization, part of the team, part of, hey, let's make this place loud. Let's help the team. Let's mm. get a replay up for the coach and help the team. So to be honest with you, I, it hasn't really lost its shine. And, and just I really, really look forward to game day and that excitement and that adrenaline rush and that feeling four hours later when you're exhausted yet you know, you feel like you gave it everything you got. Yeah. And uh, no, it's, 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 it, I love it every day. Wish, wish we could do it every day. I know physically I couldn't do that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, it's an awesome experience. But the, it just goes to show, and this is what we've kind of seen from our interviews with, with some of you guys kind of behind the scenes is just how integrated you are and almost as part of the squad that, you know, you're going in and you're doing a stellar job and a little birdie tells us that you're, you are the best in the business. And, you know, you're kind of, no one gets to see the amount of work that you do. Obviously, they do with their eyes because they're looking at the game and, and the sort of the artistry behind it all and the presentation. But it's kind of just, you know, people get their beer, they get their hot dog, they sit down, they watch the game and they don't see this kind of stuff happening behind the scenes. Personally, Craig, I think they should give you a jersey and you should be able to tog out from time to time um, with the amount of work you put in. But as you said there, I mean, <laughs> game day is, is incredibly busy for you. And what we've come to know from talking to Mark Murphy and Gabriel valdez and Brett Hensel is that there is no off-season for people who work at Lambeau as much as people expect that once the season's over that you just get to go into your office, sit down and watch replays. What does the off-season hold for you when you're not doing that type of stuff? Is it all about gearing up for the next season? Is there a little bit of lull or does it go into overdrive for you trying to prep because you won't get to do that type of stuff when the season is going because there just simply isn't enough time? 
You're absolutely right. I mean, people ask me that all the time. What do you do in the off season? And to be honest with you, the off season's a lot more, a lot busier than it is during the season. Um, you know, we're typically, you know, going do, doing that kind of corporate thing. We go through budgets, we go through, you know, staffing reviews. And then to be honest with you, it's uh, I just got back from league meetings where they go through rule changes and, and uh, you know, changes with the networks and stuff. And then we'll start prepping content for the season. Now that's the game presentation, you know, department that I, that, that I have, um, the digital department and the broadcast department, I mean, we're covering, we came, you know, out of the season and besides kind of that, uh, you know, corporate stuff you have to do. I mean, basically all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's mid to end February and we have combines and then from combines. Now we're just about to roll into draft. And when draft gets done, you know, they'll have OTAs and mini camp and, and there's a little bit of time before the season starts from about mid June to about mid July where, you know, the team is off and nobody's here, but that's actually like kind of the calm before the storm. Cause we're about to head into training camp and preseason and the regular season. And, and, and for me, um, I, traveling with the team, we, uh, we start in, uh, you know, the family night here in green Bay yeah. for preseason games. Um, an away game is, uh, the team leaves at, uh, on Saturday afternoon, about one o'clock here in green Bay, we get on a plane, fly to wherever we're going to be next day. We do the, the game on Sunday as the game's going on, we're flying content back here to green Bay. That's getting edited and put on our website. We do post game interviews with, you know, coach and, and Aaron, the quarterback and in the locker room. And then all that gets fed into green Bay. And then we get on a bus and we uh, drive to the airport and get on a plane and fly back to green Bay and boom, it's Monday morning and away we go. So it's uh it's really the off season, not only covering how the NFL has activities and the team has activities, but then really just kind of regroup regrouping and uh, prepping ourselves to, get ready for that next season i mean i'm tired from just hearing what you have to do <laughs> so for you having to do it it's just incredible i my god it's that's just insane and it's like gabrielle's workload when she talks about it on her titles and well she doesn't talk about her title but from reading them on the website you know it, it's just how you guys can can cover all of that type of stuff and you know i guess the the amount of people that actually work for the organization versus what the output is and, and what the incomes are and all the rest. It just blows my mind every single time. So you've been so gracious with your time and thanks so much, Craig, for coming on. And I guess the, the last question for you is, is the new season's coming up and we have the 100-year anniversary. Can you give us kind of a flavor of what's going to be different this season for you and what the Packers are going to be putting out uh, for the fans? Well, um, you know, we're really kind of, rebranding everything we have to be 100 seasons so you know the website is gonna have a 100 seasons look to it uh uh the um the game day presentation the graphics on the boards um what we're doing for that is going to have a, a, a 100 seasons look we have activities probably gabrielle told you 
uh, Packer experience, which is uh, like the NFL experience. We have that for the first four days of camp. Uh, that'll be in our parking lot so people can come watch practice in the beginning of camp. You know, if they can experience this Packer experience. We're also working on a documentary where we've done over 120 interviews with past players and coaches and NFL executives and, and people in the community kind of trying to tell that story hmm. of the Green Bay Packers. And then every, every game this year, we're going to celebrate a decade and we're going to do little video pieces that show on the video board and then are put out uh, digitally and socially. And so we, uh, you know what, you and I could do a whole new pod, a whole nother podcast <laughs> just on all the activities we got. But uh, I think the fans are going to love it. What we have in store for them for the hundred seasons. It sounds incredible. And I think anybody who follows the team, you know, one of the main pulling points is the history behind the team. Personally, we've done podcasts where we've chartered from 1919 all the way up into the 90s and we kind of parked it there because I think everybody who listens is very familiar with the Brett Favre era onwards. But Craig, absolutely fantastic podcast. This is part one of, of 17, like I say to, to all of our guests, especially as interesting as this. Thanks for your time today. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it.